0: Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Nayaswami Ananta. This is Nayaswami Maria. Aaron's going to share the talk today, and we're very glad that you're here uh, online or in person. I'm going to read from uh, Rays of the One Light, and our topic this week is Does Satan Exist? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. The Bible tells us in chapter 4 of the Gospel of St. Matthew, Then, after baptism, was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. To most modern minds, this passage seems quaintly obsolete. Psychologists would say, have said, in fact, that the temptation of Jesus, if it occurred at all, was purely psychological. They call it a projection of desires lurking in his own subconscious mind. The subconscious plays a strong part, certainly, even if not a unique one, in any testing the spiritual seeker must undergo. The Bhagavad Gita, in dealing with this undeniable reality, quotes Arjuna in the third chapter, and then Sri Krishna's reply, Yet tell me, teacher, said Arjuna, by what force doth man go to his ill, unwilling, as if one pushed him in that path? Krishna replied, desire it is, passion it is, born of the darknesses, which pusheth him, mighty of appetite, sinful and strong as this man's enemy. Yet even Krishna describes passion as born of the darknesses. The fact is, as Paramahansa Yogananda wrote in the autobiography of a yogi, all thoughts vibrate eternally in the cosmos. Thoughts are universally and not individually rooted A truth cannot be created, but only perceived. Psychology, yes, but psychology attuned to currents of consciousness that pervade the entire universe, attracted by each of us according to our own personal inclinations. Yogananda quoted in the path said, I used to think Satan was only a human invention, but now I know, and add my testimony to that of others who live before me, that Satan is a reality. He is a universal conscious force whose sole aim is to keep all beings bound to the wheel of delusion. We should take pains, then, to attract uplifting currents of universal consciousness. And to avoid attracting the negative, which, disease that it is, can infect our thoughts, even while it leads us to believe that our thoughts are purely our own. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. <laughs> Aum. Aum. I'm going to ask Erin to come up, and I'm going to have Aramati adjust this microphone because Erin's going to speak into it.
1: Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'd like to welcome everyone to this Temple of Light this morning, and to those welcome to those of you that are viewing online also. We'll start with a reading from *Whispers from Eternity*, Paramhansa Yogananda's book of poems and prayer demands. This is 201. I vow never again to turn my gaze from Thee. I take this sacred vow. Never will I lower my love's gaze below the eyebrow horizon of my constant thoughts of Thee. Never will I turn my uplifted inner sight away from Thee. Never will I let my mind dwell on anything that reminds me not of Thee. I will disdain the nightmare of ignorant behavior. I will court all dreams of noble achievement, those of love, kindness, and understanding, for they are thy dreams. Though I dream many dreams, wakefully I will ever think of thee. In the sacred fire of constant remembrance, kept ever alight on my soul's altar, I will ever behold thy presence with the watchful eyes of devotional love. Thy grace has shown me that the dualities of health and sickness, life and death, joy and sorrow are but passing fantasies. I am finished with those eternally self-canceling delusions. I am persuaded at last that there is but one abiding reality by eternal, ever-conscious, ever-new, ever-thrilling, infinite bliss. So we have an interesting question this morning. Does Satan exist? <laughs> um, it seems, if you look around in the world, it seems like a pretty obvious answer. You look at the headlines, or you spend you know, a couple minutes on social media. And it seems pretty obvious that Satan exists, delusion is out there, it's hard at work. And so I've been thinking a lot about why are we asking this question? Why are we focusing on this topic? It's certainly not to focus on Satan, (laughs) certainly not to focus on delusion. Um, And so it seems like it's obvious, and yet we get caught, don't we? We get caught sometimes, we forget. There's a story of, Two young fish were swimming through the ocean and an older fish came swimming in the other direction. And he said, good morning, boys. How's the water? I kept swimming for a moment and then one looked at the other and said, what the heck is water? (laughs) And I thought, this is perfect. This is exactly what happens to us with delusion. (laughs) We forget. We get caught. We're in this ocean of delusion (laughs) and uh, we forget that it's even there. And so that's why it's important to ask this question, to take time to look at this topic, to remember that, yes, delusion exists, but um, it's, not, and it's not always obvious. It's, it's subtle sometimes. It's not you know the uh, man in a red suit with the pitchfork and the horns, right? <laughs> it's our desires. It's our attachments. It's our likes and dislikes. Sometimes it even seems like good things that catch us and get us caught. And there's these, you know, as it talks about in the reading, it's these currents of consciousness. One that is drawing us downward and outward into attachment, into manifestation, keeping us bound to manifestation, keeping everything going, really, in this world. And another current of consciousness that's drawing us inward and upward towards God, back to our true home in spirit. But as it says in the whispers, it's, it's all God. It's all, it's only, it's only God. And so, the next logical question, which perhaps you've asked yourself, because I know I have many times, is why? Why would God create delusion? Why would God create this mess, really? Why would he create this opportunity to get caught, to get lost? And I find a lot of comfort in this um, explanation that Swami gives, so I'm gonna read his explanation, his answer to this question. He says, there is little practical use in this question. We are not on God's level of consciousness, so cannot presume to ask why he does anything at all. That really sums it up. And he says, the basic problem for each of us is quite simply, what can I do about it now that I've been created? What can I do about it? So does Satan exist? Yes. What can we do about it? Now that we're in, this <laughs> we're in this incarnation, what can we do about it? And we realize that we have a choice which current of consciousness we're going to be attuning ourselves to. Are we going to choose to attune ourselves to those desires, those attachments, those likes and dislikes, that downward-pulling consciousness Are we going to attune ourselves to kindness and generosity, and that current of consciousness that's drawing us back towards the divine? It seems pretty simple when you put it like that, doesn't it? Well, obviously, I know what I would choose. And yet, again, we get caught. We get tricked. (laughs) So some of you know that I um, work with parents through a program called Conscious Families sharing Swami Kriyananda's approach called education for life and supporting parents. And one of the exercises that I have parents do um, when we first meet is to create two lists. And on one side, there's a little plus. And I have them just take a moment and think about all the things that they'd like more of in their family life. What are the things that they'd like to see more of? What are the things that they're grateful for? The things that bring joy? The things that are going well? And then on the other side of the list, a little minus, what are the things that they would like to see less of in their life? What are the things maybe that are a little challenging or frustrating things that they might like to change? And they make these two lists. And then we take a moment and look at that, have them look at that. And the first question I ask them is, which of these things are you giving your attention to? Which of these things are you giving your energy to? And for most of us, most of the time, whether it's in our family, or in our work situation, or looking at the state of the world today, or even within ourselves, those qualities that we're trying to develop, or those habits that we're trying to get rid of, there's a tendency to get caught in problem consciousness, to look at those things that we don't like, to look at the problems, to look at the things that are going wrong, to look at the things that we're, we wish we could get rid of, and whatever we give our energy to, we get more of. So when we focus on problems, we tend to see more problems and get more problems. And I love the song that you all chose to sing this morning, I've been thinking about it actually a lot, we didn't plan this. But that line, some people think to harvest happiness by weeding troubles, easing every stress. Then we all get caught in doing that sometimes. Like, if, if it could just be a little cooler, if only it were this, we're little, we were a little more organized, it would go better. If only I had a little more money, if only, if only, if only, right? We want to solve, we want to kind of rearrange delusion. <laughs> Just to make it better, clean up the mud puddle, we're trying to, you know, what we try to do sometimes. And yet, what, what does the song say? The trouble is, troubles never end. Get rid of one and you face its friend. Isn't that so? And yet, the solution, what's the solution? In the same song, and really in many of Swami's songs, it's these same truths that are repeated again and again. It's only light that can make the darkness run. Lift up your head, greet the rising sun. Focus at the point between the eyebrows. Shift to solution consciousness. Shift to the light. Focus on the light, what's going well? What am I grateful for? When I work with parents, we, so we look at those two lists, they realize, wow, I'm really focusing on how I wanna have them start, you know, stop fighting, and I'm focusing on that all the time. And I, you know, maybe a parent comes and my child's having tantrums. You know, there, there's problems. There are problems. It's not to ignore the problems. But it's, what can I do about it? And start by focusing on what's going well. So I ask them, what's, what's something that you love about your child right now? What's something that you feel grateful for? And I've yet to meet a parent that isn't able to think of at least one thing, even if they're having a really hard time with their child, even if it's you know just really challenging. They're always able to think of something. And just taking that moment to think of something positive shifts the energy. And it opens up a flow of receptivity to solutions. Right? We create that positive magnetism, and we draw solutions to us. It's not that we have to create or figure out the solutions to every problem. We put ourselves in that consciousness, that solution consciousness. We attune ourselves to the light. We look for the light. And solutions come. I have an interesting example of this from our Living Wisdom School. Some of you know Nitai, who founded our Living Wisdom School here at Ananda Village. And he had, um, at one point, an issue with some stealing in his classroom, which is, that's a problem, that's that's legit. (laughs) Need to give that some attention. Um, You know, a girl came to him and something was missing from her lunchbox and the next day something was missing from someone else's lunchbox and next thing you know, everybody is up in arms, Everybody's suspicious of everybody else, they're trying to figure out who the thief is and the energy is just going down in the class. But Nitai had a unique solution to this problem. He asked everyone to bring an extra treat and sneak it into someone else's lunchbox. So they did this for a week, and as you might imagine, it shifted the energy because it put the focus right, on the light, on giving. And you know, they instead of looking, you know, looking at everyone as a potential thief, right? They're now looking at everyone as a potential treat giver. <laughs> right? It totally changed the consciousness of the children, and also for Nitai as a teacher, right, to change his approach to it, what he was focusing on, not on the stealing and not on finding the culprit and punishing them and making sure there was a consequence and teaching them a lesson and all those, all those things happened in a sense, right? Those lessons were there, but it came through the experience of focusing on the light and having that direct experience of how sharing and generosity creates harmony. And I think many of us who are part of our Ananda communities, been a part of Ananda, have that experience of being around that light energy where people are thinking more of what can i give and less of what's in it for me. You know, Devi said once in a satsang that, you know, Ananda has been able to face all these many tests and problems over the years and there have been many, right? And there continue to be problems. It's not that we're free from problems, but how do we respond? Not by thinking of ourselves, But of thinking what can i give how can i help and i think we see this we've seen this very beautifully during the pandemic all around the world throughout ananda people were tuning into that solution consciousness how can i help what can i give how can i raise my energy how can i help raise the energy of others and what did we accomplish through that so many new classes new solutions new ways of connecting with devotees, new ways of working together. So beautiful, the power of that solution consciousness. And one of my favorite solutions that came out of that was the warrior of light affirmation, which is such a beautiful example of that solution consciousness. Where are we going to put our mind? Where are we going to put our focus? Where are we going to put our energy? We have to work with our thoughts because they can just go every which way. And so affirmation is really helpful in that, to just affirm, where, w- what direction am I going? Upwards or downwards? Because otherwise we get pulled, we get tricked, we get caught if we're not putting out that energy, if we're not making that conscious choice to attune ourselves to that upward flow of consciousness. So I wanted to actually have us practice this affirmation just to really have that direct experience of it, to really feel, that we're tuning in to that upward flow of consciousness, that divine consciousness. And so we'll do it three times through, once out loud, once in a whisper, and once silently. And just, um, you know, we we can't destroy darkness, and we can't create light, but we can offer ourselves as channels. And I think that's what this affirmation, especially in many of our practices, offer us the opportunity to do, to be a channel for that light, to strengthen that light, to draw that light into our lives and into the world. So repeating after me, God's light is within and around me, with the sword of faith in my hand, with the love of God in my heart, with the love of God in my heart. I am a warrior of light. I I join my brothers and sisters everywhere everywhere. to overcome fear with faith, faith. hatred with love, love. and disease with health. We all are warriors of light. We We fill the world with God's light. Let's repeat it now in a whisper, taking this more inward, tuning more deeply into this consciousness. God's light is within me and around me. With the sword of faith in my hand, with the love of God in my heart, I am a warrior of light. I join my brothers and sisters everywhere to overcome fear with faith, hatred with love, and disease with health. We all are warriors of light. We fill the world with God's light. And now silently drawing your focus up to the point between the eyebrows and really trying to open yourself in receptivity to that light, to be a channel for that light into this world. God's light is within me and around me. With the sword of faith in my hand, with the love of God in my heart, I am a warrior of light. I join my brothers and sisters everywhere to overcome fear with faith, hatred with love, disease with health, we all are warriors of light. We fill the world with God's light. We all are warriors of light. We fill the world with God's light. Every time we choose to attune ourselves to that consciousness, we fill the world. We fill ourselves with that light. I find in that affirmation, particularly, that thought of, I join my brothers and sisters everywhere. Right? That thoughts are not individual, they're universal. We're not the only ones trying to attune to the light. And it's so powerful when we can think about just tuning into that, that current of consciousness. Yes, there's this current of consciousness that's trying to pull us down. That's, there's that negativity, it's there, it's real. But There's also a powerful current of consciousness drawing us upward. And we can tune into that. And sometimes it's just little things. Just taking the opportunity to listen to someone, to forgive someone, to just focus on the light, on the goodness in another person. I've been trying to practice this myself. Just when I notice a critical thought Coming in to just focus at the point between the eyebrows and try to think of two or three positive things, positive qualities about that person. Just to, to invite that in. What do I want to focus on? I want to focus on the good. But the habits, the thoughts, they, they tend to go in another direction sometimes. So we have to make a conscious choice. Swami, there's a beautiful story of Swami offering this Friendship. He was in India towards the end of his life, and this takes place in Goa. And he was at dinner one night, and there was a group from Iran at the next table, and he was curious. It was a language he didn't know, and so he went over and introduced himself and you know got talking with everyone. And the next morning he came down with a, a gift wrapped up and he went over to the table and he talked with them for a bit. And he came back without the gift in his hand. And he said, I told them. Since our countries have defined themselves as enemies, there isn't much a private citizen can do. At least I can offer you this gift as a gesture of friendship between us." And Asha goes on to say, as individuals we may feel powerless, but no act of love or kindness goes unnoticed by the universe. All of creation is one interconnected web of consciousness. Darkness is merely the absence of light. It has no reality of its own. In his poem, Samadhi, Master says, "Banish the veils of light and shade, not light and darkness. Shade happens when the light is blocked. No matter how dark or long-lasting the shade, remove the block and the light shines as before. And that's what we're trying to do. and. We don't have to do it alone. We have the help of the guru to remove those blocks, to help us remove those attachments, those limitations that keep us from being in the light. And he's on our side in every fight against delusion, big or small. And it's his grace, ultimately, that carries us over that ocean of delusion I want to share one last story of Yogananda and his disciple, uh, Oliver Black. Yogananda was always trying to get Oliver Black to come to Mount Washington, especially for the eight hour meditation. And eventually one year he did come and he was a little bit late. So he thought, I'll just sit in the back. And so he walked in, and he saw Yogananda was up on the dais, and on his one side was Rajasi Janakananda, and then on the other side was an empty cushion. And he thought, uh-oh. And Yogananda opened his eyes and pointed at him and told him to sit next, you know, motion for him to sit next to him. So he said, okay, all right. So he went up and he sat on the cushion, and he was just having a terrible, restless meditation. He wasn't used to sitting on the floor, and so his legs were killing him. There were just so much pain. So after about 45 minutes to an hour, he was like, okay, I gotta gotta stand up and stretch. So he goes to stand up. And Master just puts his hand out on his leg. So he doesn't get up. He's, okay, I'll keep sitting. I'll sit for a little while longer and then I'll get up. So he's, you know, another 45 minutes to an hour goes by and he's like, "Okay, I got to stand up. I just can't stand it anymore. I have to stretch my legs." So he goes to stand up again and again, master puts his hand on his on his leg and so he keeps sitting. So after about 3 hours, he said, "That's it. I just I can't stand it anymore. I've got to get up. I've got to walk around. I've got to stretch my legs." He goes to stand up again and this time more firmly. Master puts his hand on his leg, he sits. He stays sitting, and he goes into samadhi. Now, it's not an encouragement to suffer through pain in our meditation, and, and God and the guru don't want us to suffer. But what is the invitation? To stay with the guru. There's no way out of delusion otherwise. He's our life raft over that ocean of delusion and we have to trust that, because how often, you know, our, our desires, our delusions are, I just gotta fill in the blank, right? Whether it's physical pain, or whatever it is that we feel we have to address, or that we have to go somewhere and do something, away from the guru. Away from the guru. And the invitation is to trust that if we stay, and we sit next to the guru, through our meditation, through our prayer, through being in satsang, through our service, to be with the guru in all our thoughts, we surrender everything to him. He'll take care of all the rest. We don't have to worry, but we have to make that choice. Right? Just like we repeat every week in the festival's light, with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength, I choose thy love. I choose only thee. I choose only thee. So I want to end by rereading this Whispers from Eternity. Let Master have the last word. I think it will have even more impact reading it now. I take this sacred vow. Never will I lower my love's gaze below the eyebrow horizon of my constant thoughts of thee. Never will I turn my uplifted inner sight away from thee. Never will I let my mind dwell on anything that reminds me not of thee. I will disdain the nightmare of ignorant behavior. I will court all dreams of noble achievement, those of love, kindness, and understanding, for they are thy dreams. Though I dream many dreams, wakefully I will ever think of thee in the sacred fire of constant remembrance, kept ever a light on my soul's altar, I will ever behold thy presence with the watchful eyes of devotional love. Thy grace has shown me that the dualities of health and sickness, life and death, joy and sorrow are but passing fantasies. I am finished with those eternally self-canceling delusions. I am persuaded at last but there is but one abiding reality, thy eternal, ever-conscious, ever-new, ever-thrilling, infinite bliss. God bless you all. The song that uh, we're singing now is called The Temptation of Christ, and it's from Swami Kriyananda's oratorio, Christ Lives.
2: grace can bestow if you but reclaim what you've given why not ask of god any wonder you crave worship me to satisfy of you is worship. Get thee behind me, Jesus declared. Satan, no I did. Is he who says, I am whole.